Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, it's the Sports Business Radio headlines of the week. We have more than a few. In segment three, I'm going to get on my soapbox. I'm going to talk about the NBA playoffs. I love the NBA, and I wait all year for the playoffs. But boy, has the NBA botched some things, and I'm going to tell you about those things and, and give you my opinion on several things with the NBA in segment three. In segment four, the NFL draft was held this week in New York. Lots of activity, and the NFL schedule was put out. So lots of things going on with the NFL. We'll get to those in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. You can become our Facebook friend or follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. My handle on Twitter, at SB Radio. I want to remind you, you can sign up May 26th. We're having our second installment of the Sports Business Radio Warsaw Sports Marketing Center Sports Executive Speaker Series in Portland, Oregon. It's over lunch, 11.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-10, is going to be our guest Basically like sitting in on a live edition of Sports Business Radio that's moderated by myself and by Paul Swangard, who's the managing director of the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Look for the link to sign up. You can register online. Tickets are $50, or you can get a table of eight for $400. We would love to see you there. It's at the Mac Club here in Portland, Oregon. Bobby, just quickly, uh, lots of activity with the NFL. Schedule's out. And New Orleans, Minnesota face off in the opening game of the season. I like that game. I do too, and I also like the fact that the last week of the season, it's going to be divisional game. So hopefully it should mean something and no more resting players if uh, everything works out. We'll give you some other highlights of the schedule. Obviously, the Redskins and the Eagles, a big game. We'll tell you when Donovan McNabb is going to be returning to the city of brotherly love. I don't know how much brotherly love there's going to be that day. But uh, good highlights on the schedule, and we'll talk about those things. And we've got some headlines coming up next. The NCAA tournament. What network may be covering the tournament coming up in the future? We've talked about that a lot in recent weeks. We've got more news to share. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, we've talked about this a lot in the past, the NFL draft and even the unveiling of the NFL schedule gets better ratings than the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. That's how popular the NFL is. Well, this last week, they put out their much-anticipated schedule, Bobby. And as we said in our opening segment, New Orleans is going to play their home opener against the Minnesota Vikings. That's on a Thursday night, September 9th. The Saints also get to play Dallas on Thanksgiving Day. And uh, several other tilts that are kind of interesting. Obviously, it's going to be great when Donovan McNabb has his first game as a Redskins quarterback against Dallas, that's on Sunday night on NBC on September 12th, and then McNabb goes back to Philadelphia on Sunday, October 4th, the fourth week of the schedule. On Christmas, the Cowboys at the Cardinals. So those are some uh, highlights right there, and I think Minnesota plays uh, New England too, and I'm looking forward to that game. No, you know, I'm really happy with the way the schedule makers kind of threw the the schedule out there this year. And like I said, I like how Week 17 – you know, final week of the season, you have to play in conference games. So hopefully they won't rest players. Now, you and I both know that if there's a team that is getting ready for a playoff run, they're going to rest their players regardless, even if there's no reason, you know, even if the game is completely meaningless. But I love the way it is, and I'm still happy that I get to see my Lions on Thanksgiving, even though it'll probably be a meaningless game as it usually is. Yeah, that's my movement. I know you're not going to want to hear this, but... Let's do away with the Lions playing on Thanksgiving. It's they, a tradition. You know what? It's a tradition that they get their rear ends kicked for the last few years. So we need to like let another team in there because, come on, it, it, the Lions are just not entertaining and the ratings stink for Lions games on Thanksgiving. But you know what? Maybe this year they have a turnaround. I mean, Matthew Stafford, second-year quarterback. Let's see how it goes. But, hey, you know, there are some other great games, though, on Thanksgiving, so maybe it makes up for it. The other thing that I don't understand looking at the Monday night football schedule, either the people at the league know something we don't know, or why is the San Francisco 49ers playing twice on Monday night football? I I just don't get it. I I don't either, but you know what? Apparently it's because they have a giant fan base on the West Coast. That's my only logical thought. Well, if that's the case, you know, let's see Seattle play once. Pete Carroll's taken over there. There's some intrigue about what the Seahawks may do. Can we see them once? Are there other teams that we can see on Monday Night Football other than San Francisco twice? I just don't get that call at all. But other than that, I thought the NFL schedule was put together pretty nicely. We're also going to be able to see uh, the Manning brothers face each other, and uh, that's always fun. I think that happened, uh, what, two years ago, Mm -hmm. and uh, that was a good game. So we'll see, but we'll have lots more NFL to talk about in segment four especially as we recap uh, part of the draft. Our next headline, every NCAA men's basketball tournament game will be televised nationally as part of a new 14-year $10.8 billion TV agreement announced this week by the NCAA and broadcast partner CBS Sports 
and Turner Sports. Turner's on board for the first time. The agreement goes into effect in 2011 when the tournament is expected to expand from 65 to 68 teams. This is also good news in my opinion. I didn't want to see a tournament of 96 teams take forever just for the selection show. So the 65-team field expands to 68 teams, not the 96 that we had heard about. These numbers are staggering. The average TV rights fee of $771 million over the 14 years of the new agreement represents a 61.1% increase over what CBS paid during the last eight years of the old contract with the NCAA. That deal, an 11-year, $6 billion deal. This one, again, a 10.8 billion dollar deal. Now, CBS is going to provide coverage of the regional finals and the Final Four through 2015, Beginning in 2016, coverage of the regional finals will be split by CBS and Turner. The final four games will alternate each year between CBS and TBS. And then Turner will also use its other networks, TNT and True TV, to broadcast early round games nationally. The digital rights are also part of this deal and wireless rights. So we will continue to see March Madness on demand, which has been wildly popular for CBSSports.com. Our next headline. Okay, this was an interesting one. The KFC Yum Center. (laughs) That's officially the new name of the Louisville Arena. It's a 10-year, $13.5 million naming rights deal with the Yum Brands for the new 22,000-seat downtown arena that's opening in October. Pretty good money for this economy, but I have to say uh, one of the oddest arena naming rights deals that I've seen. No, I completely agree. And across campus, you have the Papa Papa Johns.com stadium for football, and now you have the Yum Brands basketball arena. So not only do you have pizza featured at the football stadium, you're now going to have KFC, Taco Bell, Long John Silvers, and whatever (laughs) else Yum Brands throws in there. So, hey, you know, it's like you're in college, going to a college event and can get college food, I guess. Well, but it's like competing deals on the same campus like you said papa john's for the football stadium kfc yum brands for the basketball arena i can't think of another campus in america where there's competing naming rights deals on the same campus no it'd be like you know somehow ford coming in and having the naming rights to michigan's football while you have the chrysler arena for basketball not related to auto but still a name association but you're right hey you know what but if they want to take the money and yum brands wants to step up and pay for it hey i'm all for it our next headline, this is a sad, sad headline of the week. Uh, Rockies president Kelly McGregor was found dead in a hotel room earlier this week while on a business trip in Salt Lake City with Team Chair and CEO Charlie Monfort and Executive VP Greg Fiesel. Now, they're saying this was natural causes. Kelly McGregor, 48 years old. He's been with the organization since 1993. Is in his 17th year and uh, Bud Selig released a statement saying he was one of our game's rising young stars. Also, he was a great human being. All of baseball will miss him. Really sad note here. You know, we've seen how successful the Rockies have been since they came into the league. And, you know, they made it to the World Series a few years ago. Kelly McGregor, really one of the driving forces behind their success. And at 48 years old, taken far too soon. You know, when I saw it hit the wire on Tuesday, I, was, I kind of was left scratching my head. Like, you know, was this something that, you know, maybe foul play was involved or something? When the reports finally came out, those natural causes. I was kind of, not to say relieved, but it's just one of those things like somebody that young should not be dying of natural causes. And especially when you're on the road, it just 
the the situation seemed fishy, but you're right. He is he was one of the up and coming you know young executives in Major League Baseball. And like Bud Selig said, he will be missed. Our last headline of the week. This was also kind of a head scratcher. LPGA golfer Lorena Ochoa is expected to announce details of her retirement in Mexico City. Ochoa married Aero Mexico CEO Andres Canisa last December. She's ranked number one in the world. I think she's uh, getting out a little bit too early. She hasn't done that well this year, Bobby. But uh, this is a surprising announcement. I mean, you know, this wouldn't be like Tiger Woods saying I'm retiring or Phil Mickelson saying I'm retiring. But Ochoa's had great success on the tour. She's one of the faces of that tour. And it's definitely a blow to the tour's image. Sure it is. And like you said, if one of your big faces leaves, it's a blow. You know, I, I don't know who they can honestly put in her place to replace her because there just isn't that many, you know, recognizable faces on the LPGA. We can't put Michelle Wee in there because she hasn't done anything. No. So I don't know what they're going to do, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see where the LPGA goes from here. It's not like the tour is going to fold or anything like that, but they're certainly losing one of their familiar faces, and uh, they'll have to figure out how to move forward with that. All right, coming up next, I want to talk about the NBA playoffs. I'll give you some of the TV numbers, which are very good. But I also have a little bit of a gripe as to what we see on TV, where we see it, and how we're able to consume it. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. This is Sports Business Radio. We are back, and if you haven't listened to our show before, I used to work for the Portland Trailblazers of the NBA, 1992 to 1998. I love the NBA. I talked the NBA a lot on this show. Had had uh, NBA Commissioner David Stern on, I think, five times on this show. Um, love to have Rick Buecher on regularly. So I really am a big fan of the NBA. I mean, Bobby, I probably watch more NBA than any other league, but... I have some gripes about the NBA playoffs, and here they are. Number one, it's hard to find some of these games on TV. Now, look, I know we're in a day and age where most people have cable. Most people get TNT. Most people get ESPN. We've had that conversation on this show. Monday Night Football is now on ESPN. Most people get it. Most people get TNT. When you start putting playoff games on NBA TV carried to only 45 million homes in the United States, I have a problem with that. When you're putting the Phoenix Suns and Portland Trailblazers on NBA TV, 
and you're putting the Milwaukee Bucks and Atlanta Hawks on NBA TV, you're basically telling everyone in the country outside of those markets, good luck, you're not going to see those games. And to me, in this day and age, 2010, to not be able to see a playoff game in the NBA, that's ridiculous. It's a, and it's a problem. I mean, this isn't 1980 when we had a hard time watching CBS's tape-delayed coverage that was aired at like 11.30 at night of Magic Johnson having a triple-double in Game 6 to beat Dr. J and the Sixers. We're in 2010. We watch events on our iPhones. We watch events on computers. And I understand the league wanting to build its audience for its own channel, much like the NFL Network has done with having some games on their network, Major League Baseball Network does with their network, but playoff games? The other problem I have, and I don't know how you get around this. I mean, Bobby, maybe you have some suggestions. When you're starting games at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, there's a large segment of the country, there's a lot of kids that aren't going to see those games. So, you know, here we are at Portland. People may think I'm griping about not being able to. I, look, I have NBA TV. I have TNT. I, I've had no problem watching games. But if you live outside of the home market and you don't have NBA TV or you just have to work the next day and you don't want to start watching a game at 1030 at night. I mean, those Nuggets Utah Jazz games have been ending at, you know, one or two in the morning Eastern time. Who's up watching those games? And I just think if you're the NBA, I guess my solution would be this. Put games on at the same time. Start them earlier. Put some on ESPN. Put some on TNT. Put some on TBS. Put some on ESPN2 if you have to. Probably more people can see ESPN2 than NBA TV. But, Bobby... I have a problem when you have your marquee product, everyone's waited for the playoffs, and you make it so difficult, A, for people to find it, because, again, a lot of people don't have NBA TV, and then when you start it so late, so people on the East Coast really aren't getting to watch, and kids, even on the West Coast, if a game starts at 7.30, you know, you're sending your kid to bed at 8, 8.30, they're not staying up for the whole game, and they're disappointed because... They want to watch the whole game. This is their team they've been watching all year long. No, I completely agree with you. And listen, even, you know, somebody that's, you know, in the 20s like I am, I can't stay up till 1130 to watch a 730 tip, you know, between Denver and Utah. You know, the games take too long, one, on certain networks. ESPN and TNT just draw out the games. There's no doubt about it. I mean, stats show that those games are statistically longer in time. You know, more, you know, TV timeouts, more commercial breaks, and that's fine. But you're right. If you're going to start a game on the West Coast, start at no later than 7 o'clock. Absolutely. And if you have to, put it somewhere else so people can see it. Because, listen, you can't have people on the East Coast. There's a reason why ESPN and Fox Sports have bureaus now on the West Coast with full production staffs so they can handle the highlights that come in late for the East Coast. Because you're right, people are not staying up at 10.30 on the East Coast to watch a game to tip off. They're going to bed, they're going to watch their late local news, and then they're out. It's just the way it is. And unless they're diehard fans, it's not going to happen. Well, and guess what? There are diehard fans out there. Sure. Because the ratings are up about 10% so far from last year. And it, we've seen that about 2.2, 2.1 million people are tuning in 
on TNT at least, or ESPN, to watch those late games, the West Coast games with the Suns and the Blazers and the Nuggets and the Jazz. They're staying up late. Those are decent numbers. I mean, by comparison, there's about 560,000 people that are tuning in to watch NHL playoff games. And so, you know, you have roughly three times the audience tuning in to watch a really late NBA playoff game. My other problem with the NBA playoffs, and this has been a problem I've had for years, they drag out. I mean, we used to have the best of five series. Now we've got the best of seven series. It takes two to two and a half weeks for the first round series if they go more than four games to be played. I mean, can we schedule these games a little tighter? We're used to teams playing back-to-backs during the regular season. They don't need three or four days off in between games. My other gripe is they seem to schedule the marquee teams more days off in between the games. Blazers, Suns, for example, every other day. Utah, Denver, you have two days in between. Lakers, you know, Oklahoma City, again, a game in between, then a two-day rest period. The marquee teams are the ones that get the most rest in the first and second rounds. I'm just saying that's the other problem. You're right. They drag out too long. Well, here's the elephant in the closet or in the room, as they say. The NBA, and and let's watch and see how this all unfolds. And, you know, I guess people could say, well, that's what they wanted last year, too. The NBA, absolutely. If David Stern was being honest and was asked this question, he would answer it like this. I want LeBron James and Shaquille O'Neal and the Cleveland Cavaliers in the finals against Kobe Bryant and the Los Angeles Lakers. Look, the NBA is about making money. The NBA is about selling advertising. The NBA is about having their marquee players in the biggest spotlight of their season, just like any other league. I mean, look, you know, the NFL loves when Peyton Manning and Tom Brady play against each other. Absolutely. Major League Baseball loves it when the Yankees and Red Sox play against each other. Right now, the two biggest stars in the NBA, LeBron James and Kobe Bryant. And if you throw Shaquille O'Neal in there and you throw Ron Artest and Lamar Odom and you throw the fact in that L.A. is a big media market, then you throw in, hey, there's companies like Nike who have lots of money tied up into LeBron and Kobe and the puppets. There's a lot of companies and the NBA, who want to see the Cavs and the Lakers meet up in the finals. Now, the other thing, too, that's interesting to watch as the playoffs go on, the more competitive each series is and the longer it goes, the better it is for NBA owners. The more home games you have, the more money you're going to make. So if there's a sweep, that's not what the NBA wants for its owners. The NBA wants seven-game series every series because then each each owner is getting the maximum number of home games, the gate, the parking, the merchandise, the food, everything that comes with hosting a home game. And, see, playoff money is found money in any league. When teams are doing their budgets, and I know this because I used to work for a team, they basically budget for their regular season. They don't budget for the playoffs because you can't guarantee that you're going to be in the playoffs. I guess... You know, when I worked for the Blazers, they made the playoffs 18 years in a row. Longest streak in sports. They kind of budgeted for the playoffs for a while there. But most teams don't budget for the playoffs. So it's it's gravy. It's icing on the cake. It's really the difference for a lot of teams between losing money in a given year and making money 
in a given year. So the NBA wants these series to go on as long as possible. That's my soapbox that I'm standing on. That's my gripes. I enjoy the NBA playoffs. I look forward to them every year. I love the matchups. But A, the NBA's got to figure out the TV end of this thing and not put games on networks that no one sees. B, they've got to figure out the start times because the games are starting way too late. C, the series are lasting too long, or at least they're spaced out. I don't care if every series goes seven, but don't put three or four days in between games. It shouldn't take three weeks for a series to be played. That's why most fans would tell you I'd love to see a 50-game regular season or a 60-game regular season and then the playoffs. That way we're not ending our season in late June. All right, coming up next, we are going to break down the NFL draft. Lots of happenings in New York this past Thursday. We'll discuss those coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, we'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, We'll help you practice your new skills, and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. My guest is Charles Robinson. He's the NFL writer for YahooSports.com. He's a great follow on Twitter. Follow him at Yahoo Sports NFL. Charles, thanks for making time with us this week. No problem, Brian. So the NFL draft, lots of talk about that every year. Uh, many people may not know, but the NFL draft does better on TV with the ratings than the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs, the move of the draft to the prime time. What do you think about the new format of the draft? I like it. You know, I think it worked out pretty well. Um, I, I thought the production values, you know, from ESPN, the NFL Network, I thought all the production um, was very good, you know, for a first round. and. Um, you know, I like the primetime format. I think it's more interactive with fans. Um, I, you know, just being on Twitter, it seems to me like there was definitely more interaction this year than, than last year. I think, you know, you, you take a Saturday and, and a lot of people are out doing their own thing on a Saturday, right. but, you know, you set up on a Friday night, it's a little more special. Plus, I, I think really the reset for NFL teams in the second round, uh, having that ability to calls in the morning, uh, in the afternoon, on Friday, uh, you know, to really uh, set their draft board again, it's going to be an immense thing for the NFL. You're going to see financially fewer mistakes, I think, in the second round uh, in the long run because of the fact that teams are resetting. They're not panicking. They're not, um, you know, I guess there's more of a process to go through to argue out their pick in the second round, whereas in the past they really haven't had that full day to kind of absorb it. So I think financially, you know, this is going to be good for the NFL in the long run, and now a lot of people are talking. 
I want to ask you about the top of the draft. Sam Bradford goes number one to the Rams. Obviously, the Rams need a face of their franchise. They need a quarterback. They need someone who's going to sell tickets. Bradford will probably do those things. But on the football field, I've talked to many people, and actually Indomitian Sioux uh, resided in Portland, where I'm based for a while. I have not seen such a dominant player in the NFL or in the NCAA on the defensive side of the ball in a long time. Was there any hesitation at all for the Rams with taking Bradford because of his injuries and and maybe looking at Indomitian Sioux? Well, you know, I think there was some hesitation with the Rams taking um, Bradford only because, you know, look, their general manager, Billy Devaney, he was in San Diego when they took Ryan Lee. Okay, so believe me, that sticks out in his mind um, in terms of the, the potential bust quality of quarterbacks at the top of the draft. Um, you know, I think the thing that's important, though, with Devaney is he also looks at the franchise in St. Louis and says, you know what, the last draft passed on Mark Sanchez. We've passed on Matt Ryan. We can't pass a third year in a row on a, a franchise quarterback if we truly believe he's special. Now, he went around the room. Um, you know, they talked about this on Thursday, uh, Wednesday night, Thursday, with, uh, you know, their entire scouting department, the personnel department, all the coaches. And it was nearly unanimous. Everyone agreed that Bradford was the pick. Everyone had the confidence that this kid could be a franchise quarterback. And as good as Endemarkin Sue is, um, you know, the fact is they've invested money on that defensive line for the money that's going to be doled out that number one pick. You're talking anywhere between $44 million and $50 million in guaranteed money. You've got to pour that money into the quarterback because that is the one position that has the potential to change your team overnight. Sue's going to be great for the Lions. I think he's going to be a very good pick for them. But ultimately, this is about changing the Rams' fortune, and Bradford's the guy who I think has the ability to do that. Tim Tebow, maybe one of the five greatest college football players ever, obviously one of the most talked-about guys and debated guys in this draft. Where is oh, he yeah. going to go? He goes 25 to Denver before Jimmy Clausen. Uh, talk about Tim Tebow because, you know, I look at Denver and I go, wait a minute, they've got Brady Quinn, they've got Kyle Orton, now they've got Tim Tebow. What's going on there in Denver with all the quarterbacks now? Well, you know, uh, there's uh, there's an upside to them taking, you know, Tim Tebow in that everyone, everything that everyone said all along about Tebow, that, you know, this is a guy who's going to need some time, um, you know, to really get himself right on the NFL level, work on his mechanics, work on his core. I mean, the guy's probably got to drop about 15 pounds, um, you know, put on, and, and change a lot of his body weight, good body weight, um, you know, reshape himself really much in the same way Aaron Rodgers did during his time with the Green Bay Packers. Uh, look, he goes to a place in Denver where I think legitimately that is going to be Brady Quinn versus Kyle Orton in one. I don't have any doubt about that. I think you could see Tim Tebow on the field in a wildcat-type setup, but I think for the most part he's going to be tucked away. He's going to learn the offense. He's going to work on his mechanics, I think, night and day with Josh McDaniels. And, and I think just in terms of a team that has the ability to sit on him, I think Denver is that team. Now, no matter where Tim Tebow went, the circus is going to follow him. No matter where he went, the questions are going to be, when can this guy start in the NFL? But I do think that's going to be put on the back burner a little bit in Denver. Um, you know, while they've got Kyle Orton, while they're still looking at Brady Quinn. And I'll tell you what, you know, Kyle Orton and Brady Quinn, those are still guys who have value. Now, if they come out and they play well next season, you know, Denver could have some bargaining chips in the future. It's never bad to have, you know, talent and quarterbacks who can go and start elsewhere. 
And I think, you know, Orton has shown that he can be a solid starter in the NFL. I think if they can get Brady Quinn to the point where he develops, they could be sitting there looking at, you know, potentially being able to move one of those guys in the future, um, you know, for picks down the line. So it's not a bad thing. It gives them time with Tebow. I'll say this one thing about Tebow, and I thought an AFC general manager made a great point. He said, I would never draft Tim Tebow because the kid has never, you know, seen a microphone he doesn't like. You know, he steps up, he talks a lot, the guy's got a message. There's just too much to have to deal with for a guy who's probably going to sit on your bench for a couple of years. But, you know, the, the Denver Broncos are also one of those teams because McDaniels came from the New England Patriots system. He'll be tucked away. He'll, he'll disappear into the walls of that facility. Um, and, you know, I think it was probably a good place in terms of him just being kind of put on the shelf for a while and forgot. You know, the first thing I thought of when I saw Tebow going to Denver was ever since Josh McDaniels got there, you know, he had a problem with Jay Cutler. He had a problem with Brandon Marshall. This right. is a guy who he can bring in and is going to be a great locker room guy. He's a culture Absolutely. guy. And I don't know if you can do that as a second or third string quarterback, but, you know, I think if you have a guy in the team that's working his rear end off, it has to rub off on other guys, I would think. Oh, yeah. And remember, I don't think they drafted him thinking, well, he'll never be our starting quarterback. You know, I, I think that they generally truly believe that if he can get his mechanics right and develop the way they want him to develop, that he will be their starting quarterback. And, um, you know, I, I do think that guys further on the down on the depth chart quarterbacks can affect the mentality of a team. I'll tell you this. Aaron Rodgers had a great rapport with, you know, those young Green Bay Packers guys. You know, you go and you talk to Greg Jennings. He kind of, you know, came up a little bit with Aaron Rodgers in that system. Rodgers made a lot of friends in that locker room while he was the backup quarterback. I think Tim Tebow can do the same thing. Phillip Rivers was a guy who was behind Drew Brees for a couple of seasons. But as he matured, as he, you know, players could see flashes from him, practice, you know, he was always a very fiery guy. I think he also became a little bit of a leader, even though he was behind Drew Brees. You know, so can Tim Tebow be a good locker room guy? Can he impact that team? I think with the younger guys, he can. I don't think there's any doubt about that. And if that's going to be your your quarterback of the future, if this is going to be the guy who starts for you in 2011, 2012, that's not necessarily a bad thing, particularly considering there's going to be a lot of turnover uh, on that Broncos roster as they continue to turn things. Well, and without a doubt, Tim Tebow is the most marketable guy in this draft. We're joined by Charles Robinson. He's the NFL writer for YahooSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at Yahoo Sports NFL. Jimmy Clausen. Some people had him in the top five. He didn't go in the first round. How much money did he cost himself by not going in the first round? Well, I mean, it's immense. There's no doubt. It's a, it's a huge amount of money. I mean, if you if you want to look at um, – let's go back last year and look at the amount of guaranteed money, the difference between a Matt Stafford who went number one and a Ziggy Hood who went, you know, 32nd in the draft. Matt Stafford got, you know, $42 million plus in guaranteed money at the first overall pick. Ziggy Hood was the last in the first round, got about $6.1, a little over $6.1 million in guaranteed money. Now – if Jimmy Clausen goes somewhere in that top ten, let's say let's say Jimmy Clausen goes, let, let's even push it all the way to the back. I mean, if Jimmy Clausen goes tenth overall, say to the Jacksonville Jaguars, he's looking at around twenty to twenty-two million, maybe even twenty-four million dollars in guaranteed money because there's a quarterback premium. Now you slide that all the way into the second round, all of a sudden you're talking about a precipitous drop off of, I mean, bare minimum. 
16 million, 18 million dollars. And now that's just if Jimmy Clausen had gone at 10. Now, if Jimmy Clausen had gone, say, at five, at six, someone moved up to get him, had Cleveland taken him at seven, you're talking in the neighborhood of, you know, 20, 22, maybe even 24 million dollars guaranteed money that he's now lost out on. There's no doubt. I mean, that financially, a staggering, staggering fall for Jimmy Clausen. I have no doubt that, you know, whoever, uh, you know, ultimately, this was his decision. You know, this was his family's decision. Um, you know, he had some advisors, you know, coming into this draft. Everyone thought he was going to be a first-round pick. I think a lot of people are going to look at Jimmy Clausen and say, was this a mistake to come out after June, after your junior season with Notre Dame? I don't think it was. I think he went on the correct information that he was going to be a first-round pick. Most every personnel guy I talked to, I don't even want to say most every, every single personnel guy I spoke to had no doubt that Jimmy Clausen was going to be a first-round pick. Things happened on draft day, falls, and obviously lost a lot of money in that fall. The pressure on the GMs making these picks, the owners making these picks, you know, from people I've talked to, Charles, they tell you the rule of thumb with the NFL draft is that you want to get at least two starters, if not three or four starters, from every draft. Is that what you hear from people you talk to as well? Yeah, I think I think if you have your full complement of draft picks, I think if you're a team that comes in with, let's just say, the standard seven draft picks, yeah, minimum, you want to get two starters. Your first and second round picks, they should be starters. Now, your third round pick, um, you know, if, if you, you know, obviously trust in your, your scouting department's abilities, you hope that that's, a, that's also a starter for you. Now, beyond that, you hope the rest of the guys fill out the roster, um, you know, as backups. Round pick, you know, maybe that'll be a special team guy um, or, or a practice a squad guy who will eventually develop into a backup player. Um, now, you you see, we've seen so many teams really deal back. I mean, look at Denver dealing back constantly, picking up picks as they move back to take Tim Tebow. That's because there is a, this is a very rich draft in terms of um, where the quality is. I mean, you know, you can go all the way deep into the second round with this draft. You can look at all those players you know, one to really 64. And there are a lot of general managers who tell you, hey, in that second round, those 32 guys in that second round, they're going to be a ton of, you know, starting quality, very good players who may even be on the same, you know, talent level as those taken in the first round in the late 20s. That's why the England Patriots stockpiled second-round picks going into this draft because they knew in that second round those picks this year were going to be gold just because so many players – that will be starting caliber NFL players in the second round of the season. I think you're going to see a lot of quality come out of that second round. And and like I said before, having that reset for that second round is going to prevent teams from making a lot of mistakes. They're going to fill a lot of needs correctly. They're definitely going to depend on their scouting reports. I think far more than had you had uh, you know done it under the old format, obviously rolling right into the second round of the first. Well, and the other thing, too, is that second-round picks don't cost you nearly as much as first-round picks. We've got just a few minutes left. Charles, I want to ask you about Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Everyone knows what's been going on with him. We saw that he was suspended this past week by Commissioner Roger Goodell. You know, we heard some whispers before the draft that maybe he was being offered to teams that had a pick in the top 10. Personally, I think that was done just to scare the pants out of him. I mean, if someone told me I was going to be traded to the Raiders, I'd shape up pretty quick. Um, You know, do you think those were legitimate offers that were being made? Or was that just the Steelers ownership way of saying, look, uh, if you don't turn things around, you're not going to be playing for us very much longer? 
I, I think this. Listen, I think the Steelers were open to a dialogue about Ben Roethlisberger. I don't know that they were ever actively shopping him hard. That you know, this was a situation where they say, "Hey, we got to move this guy." I don't think it ever got to that level. I think they were willing to listen. You know, if you wanted to call, that's great. They, you know, I, I know for a fact that the Rams did have a, a, a brief dialogue with the Pittsburgh Steelers, in which you know the Rams, you know, frankly told the Steelers, "Look, for, for what you're going to want for this guy, we're not going to be able to do." any kind of a deal, um, you know, but ultimately I, what's going on in Pittsburgh is the ownership is very, very nervous about the fan reaction to this whole thing. I mean, obviously um, they're very upset with what Ben Roethlisberger has done. They're not happy with his behavior. They fully supported, you know, what's going on with the NFL in terms of that suspension. Um, you know, they're taking this very seriously, but beyond just that, you know, once all this happened, that fan base splintered very quickly in Pittsburgh. And there was a lot of negative. You had a lot of people calling, contacting the organization. You had people threatening to cancel some tickets. And in this economic environment, teams are more sensitive than ever to how your fan base is reacting toward the attitude of your team. Uh, I, I remember talking to someone with the Kansas City Chiefs last season when they went through that whole ordeal with Larry Johnson. They were as upset. I mean, he was you know calling out the coach. He made some insensitive remarks on his Twitter page. But they were almost just as upset with some remarks he made to fans about, hey, I make a ton of money. Uh, how much money are you making? Teams do not want to hear their players talking about money right now in this, economics, uh, you know, in this economic environment. And I think any kind of reaction where fans are saying, hey, I'm going to cancel tickets. <clears throat> I don't like what's going on with the team right now. That really, I think, scares the team more than anything with Ben Roethlisberger beyond just his decision-making. So, um, you know, ultimately, they'll go through the suspension. Ben Roethlisberger will stay on the roster because elite top-five quarterbacks, you can't allow yourself to deal those guys for pennies on a dollar. It's one thing to do it with a receiver like Santonio Holmes, who might be a top-15, top-20 wideout. Quarterbacks are just so hard to find. Super Bowl-winning quarterback, you can't deal them for pennies on a dollar, even in areas like this. Charles, great stuff as always. Charles Robinson, the NFL writer for YahooSports.com. Follow him on Twitter at YahooSportsNFL. Charles, thanks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Brian. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back, and this is why I love Major League Baseball Commissioner Bud Selig. Not. The Major League Baseball honchos 
told Tampa Bay Rays manager Joe Madden recently that he could no longer wear his dark blue Rays hoodie that has become his trademark. This is according to Tony Lee of NESN.com. Now, Major League Baseball instructs all coaches to wear official team jackets or majestic brand tops. Madden has worn this hoodie for a while, and no one had a problem with it, but all of a sudden, now it's a problem. And as I tweeted this week, I wonder how long it's going to be before Bud Selig tells Joe Madden that he's got to remove his trademark glasses that he wears, too. He wears those real thick glasses. I mean, are you serious, Bud Selig? You don't have anything better to worry about than Joe Madden's hoodie? And Bill Belichick wears a hoodie. Josh McDaniels of the Denver Broncos wears a hoodie. I don't have a problem with Joe Madden wearing a hoodie. I don't think anyone has a problem with Joe Madden wearing a hoodie. And oh, by the way, it says Tampa Bay Rays on it. And why are you even giving him a hoodie if he can't wear it? I don't get it, Bobby. Nine times out of ten, he's got the official jacket on over top of it. It's not a big deal. And rumor had it earlier this week that Major League Baseball would even have to go back and revisit the manager's dress code just to address what's been basically called hoodie gate. I mean, this is ridiculous. If you're an NBA coach, you wear a suit. If, if you had an NBA coach wearing a hoodie, I could see where David Stern would have a problem with that. But baseball? How many people are even looking to see what the manager is wearing anyways? It's ridiculous. Bud Selig, come on. You're better than this. Well, maybe you're not. All right. Thanks to our show staff, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, Doug Zanger, and Brian Griggs. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. Podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com, click on the podcast page, or on iTunes. Go to the podcast section, type in Sports Business Radio. You can subscribe to our podcast every week. Follow me on Twitter. I'm at at SB Radio. Would appreciate the follow. Find our blog online at sportsbusinessradio.com. For Bobby Corser, I'm Brian Berger. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Sports Business Radio.